Welcome to another episode of Transformative Teaching, a Faceted IU podcast. I'm your host, Michael Maroney, Director of Facet, and I'm here today with Melinda Stanley, Senior Lecturer in the School of Business at IU Kokomo, a member of the Facet class of 2022, and she's the Program Director of the Bachelor of Applied Science. Now, is that an online degree, Melinda? Yes, it is. It's a collaborative degree. It was the first of its kind. So oh, yeah, okay. It, yeah, it came. It came into being with. Um, I think Vice President Gazeki once called it the Wild West when we were first starting this, and and now it's kind of fun to see how the OCAP has grown and see how the collaborative degrees have grown, and and um, we're currently working on a program review for the degree, and it's not going to be clean because the other degrees are were put together much more fluidly and much mm. more structured so it's fine it's you know I welcome a challenge so so you can always you can always polish it up uh, as you get your information right right exactly exactly yeah, yeah. that's cool um, well thank you for joining us today uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation and uh, but before we got started you were actually talking about previous experience that uh, that matters to you as a teacher you're talking about retail fitness teaching for retail yes yes okay yeah so when we we moved to Kokomo in 1995 and um I used my first degree is in microbiology and I was actually a research associate in molecular genetics Okay. So obviously Kokomo doesn't offer a lot of that. <laughs> and yeah. we had just adopted our daughter from Russia. Mm. So I made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom for a few years. And but I also like being around people and I like I like working. I do. Um I don't know that retirement's ever in my future just because I do enjoy the work. So you're a hardworking extrovert. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> a good way to put it. Anyway, anyway, um, when my um, son was born, I just, someone asked me, I used to work out it just, we'd be away from me to get out of the house. And someone said, would you like to teach a class? Sure. So it just sort of grew and I um, started teaching one class and then I started teaching five classes. And then by the time my son was in first grade, I was managing the program mm. and I'm going to go into my degrees and I'll come back to teaching for retail because it was just funny how doors open and you ask before in our pre-podcast conversation, you ask about future advice for faculty. So let me go here because I do have. Oh, you're jumping ahead. Okay. I am. Well, actually, (laughs) actually, I can can start a strong introduction and end with a good conclusion. There you go. (laughs) But anyway, um, IU Kokomo was offering hyper programs and those are students could take classes for, you know, for fitness, for health sciences degrees and things like that. And the Kokomo Sports Center is down the road from IUK. So we started a program where we actually delivered the classes to IUK students sort of in an adjunct capacity. Mm-hmm. And um, I became a manager of the the group fitness program. And there was a, a grads, a couple of grad students who had done this grad student project let me back up. The Kokomo Sports Center was owned by the local hospital. Okay. So being a manager, that's how I got into healthcare administration and healthcare management mm-hmm. was because I was, I was the, we were the non-clinical side of a local healthcare organization. Anyway, um, 
the director of the 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 MBA students had done this project where they envisioned a gym going away and IUK building a big gym next mm. to and getting rid of all the gyms in the community. It was just a project. It was just a theoretical project. And yeah. they presented it to members of the community, including board members of the hospital that I worked for. Well, one of the board members misinterpreted the presentation and thought it was a real presentation and spoke to the media about it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it created an issue and it was bad enough that the I mean, it was concerning enough that the president of the hospital, the CEO of the hospital called us all and said, look, nobody's jobs are in jeopardy. This was just a theoretical model put forward, Mm. et cetera. And the coordinator of the IUK program came over and met with me. He goes, are we okay? Did this mess up our relationship? And I said, no, we're fine. We enjoy the students. And we ended up having this lively conversation about He's like, what is your background? I said, well, I have two bachelor's degrees. He said, do you have a master's degree? I said, no, I don't. And he said, we are starting this new program at IUK and this would be great for you. And you need a master's degree if you want to ever have a future outside of this place because people, employers look for those master's degrees now. So I got on the way, it's, it's the uh, master's of public management, the MPM. Okay. I got online and I looked and it said, you need a GRE or an M. What is the one for business? Is that the MCAT? I, I don't yeah. know. Is it okay? So it said, you have to have either or. So, well, which is it before I study and pay a bunch of money? What am I, gonna, <laughs> which one? And I called and the secretary was out that day and I got the dean directly. He said, look, if you apply to the program today, I will waive that requirement for you. Oh, wow. And at the hospital, in the meantime, came out with an announcement saying, by the way, we'll pay for any education anybody wants. So that whole mistake at IUK, or I don't know, the, the whole mistake of that that board member actually led to my master's degree, and which ultimately led to my teaching career. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so we'll, we'll go, <laughs> you know, I told you I could do an introduction and conclusion. Anyway, I'm teaching for, for retail. So with group fitness classes, if you didn't have students, you didn't have a class because they're not going to pay for an instructor if no one shows up. So you worked very hard to be welcoming to students and, you know, what do you need to be successful? Can you trust me if I make you do something funky? Can you trust me enough to know that I'm going to have a good, there's going to be a good outcome to this and you grew your classes. So now we're in an era of being mindful of the number of students you have and even student relations. I have, that has bled into my academic teaching career Hmm. where you know, what can I do to make you comfortable? What can I do to make you successful? So I don't lead in with, well, this is a weed out class and we'll see who survives. I yeah. lead in, what can I do to make you successful? And I said, I read something somewhere that maybe it was a facet publication that said that one of the students who are surveyed, one of the things they want the most is to trust their professor and trust yeah. that we have good outcomes in mind for them. And I, building on that group fitness background, I try to do the same thing. Like, trust me, this project's hard, but at the end of the day, you will be ahead. And I won't, if you do your work and you work with me, I'm not going to let you twist. I'm not going to let you fall. Let's work together. And I, it, and I think that has bled through into my classes and it, it comes out in my student evaluations where they, they find me personable and they, they like me. And so it's, it's, I guess being kind to them and being, you know, <laughs> and advisors say that they generally, and I do the same with the advisors, you know, I have a pretty good relationship with the advisors and they say that they, they direct students my, 
they direct students to me as well. So, mm, okay. Okay. So, so one of the thing, main things, well, first of all, that's pretty cool that you didn't have to take the GMAT and you were able to come in and, and complete that program, you know, in that way. That's great that someone extended that kind of kindness to you. Um, I, I'm wondering what, what is it that you think this person saw and in, in you that, that, made them say I need her to do this <laughs> I don't I don't know I mean it was just the, it was the oddest thing I tell students all students will say I don't know if you've ever heard this but we're in an industrial town and the big push right now is there's a sign outside of a business why go to college when you can get a trade or you know students say I don't know what the point of me being here is you know when you get an education you may not see what's on the other side of that wall but when you get an education you build a door in that wall and that's what I built a door in that wall for myself. And I tell them that all the time. You may not see it right now and it may not come to fruition for 10 years. But one of these days, that piece of paper that you worked so hard to get is going to get you somewhere. You just can't. You're too close to it right now. And I don't I don't know. We just he and I just just clicked. And he okay. he, he asked me, he said, do you like our programs, I said, yeah, I love the collegiate environment. I love working with students. And I don't know if that's what I, I like I said, it was just one of those, you have moments in it's your an life. Interesting. It's an interesting uh, pathway to, yeah. to becoming a faculty member. It really yeah. is. Well, and yeah. if you would ask me when I was a senior in high school, what I wanted to do with my life, and I would have told you a genetic counselor, that was okay. where I, I wanted to go. And now I teach health economics and I teach, um, consumer health. And the fun thing about having a microbiology background is I can, you know, those vaccines that everybody wants, this is what, this is what's happening with those. And I can talk about the science of it because I actually do have the science background mm -hmm. and what's, it's actually, so IUPUI, I, I do a lot of work with EDS and they, they hooked me up with the, the recording studio at IUPUI. And they call me the disease girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I relate everything to <laughs> pandemics and the cost of illness. And, and well, and, you know, talking about transformative teaching though. So I, I get to my um, global systems of healthcare delivery course, which I was teaching spring of 2020. And in it, we talk about healthcare systems around the world mm -hmm. and the money that gets poured into them. Like, you know, the United States pours, we are the we put the most into our healthcare of any nation in the world. And yet our healthcare, our health outcomes are not the best. I think we're seventh yeah. or something. Um, it, we are 37th. I'm sitting here fudging the number, but I know <laughs> we're 37th and our, in, in Indiana, you declare us 37th. <laughs> yeah, our infant mortality rates in Indiana are abysmal. We're one of the, right. most, yeah. And why, yeah. why, why? Um, but anyway, in this global systems of healthcare, we compare, you know, what is healthcare like in um, Sri Lanka? What is it like in uh, Singapore? What do they put, what are, where do they spend their money? You know, could it be that Russia's a do giant? Like students do projects on this? Well, yes, I was going with this. Oh. Yeah. So, so I create this fake virus, which is actually oh. not a fake virus, it's the Marburg virus. And I say, you know, what happens if this and the Marburg virus is a, it's a hemorrhagic fever. So you're bleeding out. It's, it's dramatic and generally doesn't become a pandemic because it kills everybody in a radius very quickly. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like Ebola. It's mm -hmm. just, it's a Ebola. Yeah. So I said, what if 
Marburg becomes pandemic. And then what happens in Singapore? What would happen in Saudi Arabia where they're very compliant to officials' requests? What would happen in Antarctica? Because, you know, the pandemic of 1918, actually they study Inuit Eskimos because it spread clear out to the farthest regions of the globe. Mm-hmm. All right. So in while we're in this class, the real pandemic hits. And oh, it, wow. Yeah. And it turned into you're living it. Let's talk. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. that was another very powerful moment. And I I still have those discussions. And I think at some point I just want to record them, you know, just write them down for my own because it did you student- talk about food market versus lab leak? Yeah. Well, we didn't they were they were just what do we do? And oh my gosh, you know, what a they were they were desperate for a conversation. They were desperate for, and it's an online course. So we didn't get pushed home. We were already, we were already home when it, you know, we weren't affected that way, but those discussions, well, I mean, just for my own, when I look back and I I ever do retire, you know, I could say, look what, what happened and look what I did because I think they, it was, it was one of the, another, one of those things that was just the right place at the right time for people. So have you taught that class since, um, since I, the pandemic? 20, yes, I, I have. And okay. I'm teaching it again in 2024. Okay. But it's spring of the, the even years. But yeah, that one was the most powerful experience I've had as a teacher. Well, that's pretty interesting, uh, having that class at that time. And as an online class, uh, you have students, is it like all over... All over the world. The globe? Actually, all yes, over, okay. I have had students in Kuwait. I've had students in, um, oh my gosh, I've got one right now in New York. I've got another one in Florida, but I've had one in Alaska, okay. Kuwait, France. Um, yeah, which is fun too. I, I often say I want to get a map in my office and color in where the state's and yeah yeah you're gonna you're gonna have like okay i the only place i haven't had a student from is idaho (laughs) right right gotcha right and you know some of my students were actually deployed at the time too because the national guard called people up and right and they were adding to the conversation too yeah we're experiencing this right now and Uh so um were you doing synchronous classes at that time or was this all asynchronous conversation I have one synchronous class, one face. I have two now, but I have, I, at the time I had one and, and I had Tai Chi. I teach Tai Chi. I still teach oh, my okay. classes here at the university. And I need uh, to get you to do that at the retreat. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, I had to very much, I very quickly ported the uh, one was a lecture didactic, uh, didactic and the other one was the activity class Mm -hmm. and the um I felt I felt very blessed I in fact a friend of mine texted me she goes how does it feel to be an online instructor right now I thought I'm very lucky um but the the lecture class it wasn't too great of a flip in my head to make it an online class I I knew what I needed to do the activity course was my challenge because Mm -hmm. the you know the main source of their grades is participation so I have a video camera that I use for my courses. I took it home and I set it up in my living room and I recorded online lessons. And then I had a little quiz to make sure that they're accessing the work. I made a little quiz afterward. And, you know, when you did this, 
you know, maybe it wasn't the most pedagogical or maybe it wasn't the the deepest class, but at that point we were all doing the best we could. Right. Yeah. And I said, you know, how did this make you feel? How did your arm feel? Did you notice that you did this? Did you notice you did that? But the big joke was that my husband would stand in the living room with the video camera. I'm like, couples don't use video cameras this way. Oh God. <laughs> that was our running joke. That's like, pretty funny. Yeah. That's time to blow the video camera. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. And I, um, uh, so I did do a, I did share that video out with, we had some faculty development here and I did share a few of those videos out with the campus just to let faculty connect too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So were, did you, were you able to kind of recreate the activities to some degree? To some that? degree. Yeah. 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 I, I've been teaching long enough I, I that I knew how to, I knew what they could chew. In a, in a class I knew what they could if you come at people with 15 things it's too much and they just right. kind of shut down so if you come with two or three and so I broke the lessons down that way we're going to do two or three things today yeah yeah that's great and and then it was it worked and like I said it's not the, the most ideal way to deliver it but you know mm-hmm. the one thing is the the more that I mean it's it, is no secret that IU was would like to explain expand their i the online offerings and expand their reach with online and I don't think I'm not suggesting that we replace face to face courses but if we do have a student who is in Alaska and they need an exercise class to do stuff like that I, I think there could be ways to do that and still deliver the content to them and get them what they need so yeah who knows what direction this is going to go right i mean right. The, the whole right. notion of the high flex where people can choose you know whether they're going to be synchronous asynchronous face-to-face and be able to move in between those modalities is you know i think it's doable right but it would require a lot of rethinking about how we prepare classes and 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 it would probably be for some people pretty tough to, 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 well, to want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I have the, the pandemic come from the faculty side. I saw my, some of my peers go into sheer panic. I mean, what do we do? How do we do this? Some just shut down. They, they just, I can't do this. And, and it was pretty much that I can't do this. I, and even technology, I am a, a digital, what is it? A digital immigrant, digital adopter. And I, because I'm the age where I remember one of the first calculators that you came do not out. have to say this. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But, but I, li- okay. I like a technology and I like yeah. doing things with it. And so I remember sitting in my office, I use a tool called VoiceThread a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like and, VoiceThread. Yeah. And Jessica Henderson, I don't know if you remember her or not. She won a Facet Innovate Award. Mm-hmm. She has since passed away, mm-hmm. but so, and she would tell you this, she would speak openly about this, but she had to do a, um, a presentation on her work for facet. Cause you know, they do those, you guys do the videos. Yeah. Like so five minute. Yes. Video. Yeah. And it, it, ups, it sent her into a panic and mm-hmm. she's like, what do I get? How do I do this? And I said, well, we can do voice thread. And she sat in my office and I just remember her being so intimidated by the software and I think that's been the gift of online teaching. And that's what I would encourage my peers is just, 
embrace it because it's actually, if you can get past the, I don't know how to do this stage and just open your mind to learning it, then you've got one more tool in your toolbox. It just makes you more flexible. Yes. Yes, exactly. Did you, did you take online courses as part of your master's program? No, mine were face-to-face, but actually you brought, I was going to go back to this. So I always wanted my doctorate and my, the, the Dean of the, the, my master's program said to me at graduation, which again was a very powerful moment. He said, you are PhD material. You really need to get yourself into a PhD program because I won the student of the year and all this stuff. And he was, it was very, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on him because he, I think he recognizes that I need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And one of the barriers for me was I live in Kokomo, Indiana. I had two, two young children, one with disabilities. I have, I wear more hats than just faculty member, student. And he, I finished my doctorate in 2021 because I found an online program to take and to, and another faculty member here had gone through that. And he said, yes, this is, this is a, it's an accredited program from a school that's been around since 1820. It's AT still, and it's, it's an, a highly regarded program. And I looked into it and I applied for it. And had we not had online courses, I couldn't have done it. I, I couldn't drive to Bloomington or Indianapolis a couple times a week. I, I couldn't do it. Um, my husband works harder than I do, work, worked harder than I do, and he worked all the time. So I um, online made it very feasible. And granted, there were two years I didn't sleep much. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I've had some colleagues who have done that too. You know, they're teaching as lecturers, teaching three, three or four, four load and, and taking classes to get a PhD. It's like, wow, I just don't know how you do that. I'm, I'm kind of in awe of that. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you you think is the biggest um, challenge to designing an online program, online course? I think for me, I like to be creative, innovative, and I like to connect with my students it is very easy to throw up a PowerPoint and then have a quiz. Mm-hmm. I, I like to do videos. I liked because that, that gives and start. Cause you're the disease woman. I'm the disease woman. <laughs> Actually, I have something very cool. I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk about it because it's not done yet, but mm-hmm. I am teaching a new course in spring. It's um, legal issues for healthcare in a healthcare administration. And there's some very interesting cases that, have occurred over the last few years relative to healthcare. And there's one right now where a woman um, was giving birth and they, they used so much force that they decapitated the baby. Um, and it's, is that a criminal case? Is that a negligence case? Is that it's, it's brand new, but it's the talk of anybody in healthcare right now. And so I think again, not done. Not, we'll so see. I, I, I'm putting my lawyer hat on right now with with that. So I don't know if you know that I'm a lawyer. No, so. I did. I did not know <laughs> yeah. that. I did not know that. But I, I'm working with uh, EDS, and we're talking about maybe doing a mock trial, mm. and then assigning roles. And you're the judge. You're this, yeah. and and using AI to, you know, that's another beast that do you ignore, do you embrace? And I'm kind of in the mindset that they're going to use it. So you might as well embrace it somehow. And so um, the conversation is, why don't you run this through Jet, Jet GPT and see what it, you know, like let it do the uh, yeah, And yeah. so 
we're playing interesting so i have to put it in place but that you asked about my challenges i have these great ideas and how do you you know it's one thing to be in a classroom it's another thing to get it here get it here and get it to the students you've got this intermediary known as the computer that you've got yeah. to get across. or i play this i i play this game in one of my classes called i did a uh faculty learning community on gamification and I do an escape room every mm -hmm. fall and I every fall I change it because I learn things you know they can cheat it or ah. frustrated with it and I used to say reflect on the game and I did that early on because I wanted them to tell me I wanted to find the the errors in my game and it became I hate this game because I, you know, I want to do my own work when I want to do my own work. And then I changed that though. I thought, well, don't attack the game just because you want to work on Tuesday at 2 a.m. And it's leadership, <laughs> the course is in leadership because leadership, you need to work with people, you know? Right. right. So I, I've now changed that to what could you have done better in the game? And sometimes, yeah, I guess I just needed to be more patient with ah, stuff. And so I so you change, just change the question from yeah. focusing on the game itself to focusing on the person and what they did in the game. Yeah. Yeah. They, and those course emails at the end, you, you know, I can see a distinct difference. That one yeah. question, I, I you know, it. she plays this game. I hate it too. You know, I really love that game. It really made me think about who I am as a person, whatever, whatever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love it when you can make a little, little teeny tweak like that, that can change people's perspective. I mean, that's so interesting that that little tweak changed perspectives to that degree. Yeah. Do you, so I, given that you, I, and by the way, I, I had a faculty member who would describe me as if I want to know where the precipice is with well, this is use of technology, I look at what Michael's doing. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm with you on the trying things um, and, and tr trying to be really innovative with technology. Um, and, and I do find that I frequently have, you know, the first time I try something, I really have to do some refinements uh, on, on, on what I'm doing. Um, but it hasn't slowed me down. I still try stuff, uh, all the time. It, could you tell me about a time where maybe you tried it? It didn't go so well. And how did you pivot and, and, and kind of recover from, um, something not going well? Well, you know, going again, going back to group fitness, you're, you, <laughs> you have to, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the, one of the things was, um, I, this, this global class, it was more my, it, it wasn't the technology. I used the technology to dig me out. Um, and that was, we do cover a lot of countries. We cover two countries every week. And then I gave the test. Oh, and yes, it is. And I, I was following the, the path of the book more than I was following my own instincts. And we were, you know, it, it, the backstory was we were moving at the time and my husband jacked up his shoulder and had to have surgery, you know, so I was just like, I'm just going to like follow the pattern of the book too much. Their tests were, I mean, the average was a 12 out of 25. Okay. So the average score was, and so that is an, and it was a me issue, not a them issue. So I used, I, I appreciate that you see it that way. That's yeah. not what everyone does. <laughs> no. Yeah. It wasn't. And, and I got the fact that it was, it just, I gave them too much to bite off. So I quickly pivoted and there's a tool called story maps, which it came from Northwest. It comes from Northwestern university, which I guess technically we're not supposed to use because it's not an IU tool, but at the time, you know, that even that I, the, you know, 
they present tools and they come up with their own tools and then you're supposed to be using their tools, but you start using these other tools that you like and you, so I still use it because I think it, it gives me a lot. It gives me what I need. Anyway, I started, I pulled in quick checks and I pulled in that, that um, story map to, to get the learners back on track. So I, that was where technology saved me. <laughs> yeah, right. So you went and you found other resources and other sort of low stakes kinds of assessment ways for the students yeah. to, to, to get back on track. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then when the, there is a, I do use videos in my quizzes, my YouTube videos and my quizzes. And mm. um, what, there's a video that has kind of disappeared. It just happened. So it, it disappeared on the, the net, but I have a private channel mm -hmm. and it's, I can still see it in my private channel. So when I access the course and got it ready for the fall, I could still see it, but none of my students can. And so I, with that one, how I pivoted, it was just a, it was a learning activity worth a total of three points. And I kept getting emails going, help, this isn't showing up. And at first I thought it was one student because sometimes they have browser issues and it's one student. And then yeah student number five in a class of 47, it was like, okay, there's an issue here. So I basically told them, just take the quiz, do your best. And I gave them all, I said, answer it, give it, give it a, a educated guess. And I gave them all full credit because again, that wasn't their fault. It was, so that that's high pivot. I just don't let them twit. If there's a technology issue, I don't want them hanging themselves on it. Oh yeah, that totally, that totally makes sense. I mean, that's not even fair to do otherwise, right? right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's other strategies I suppose people could employ there, but yeah, that, but that, that works. So um, I, one, one last question. Uh, what is a favorite, favorite teaching activity you, you've engaged in, in any of your classes? I know that's kind of a big question, right? I got to think for a second. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I do. I do have a favorite. I do have a favorite. I ho hopefully students won't won't. Um, and it's actually about transformative teaching. I don't have much time we have left, so I'll talk real quick. <laughs> <laughs> take your time. Take your time. <laughs> um. So I did just get my doctorate, and I I have adopted transformative learning theory for my. Actually, I was doing it already, but I I was able to come up with a label for what I do given my doctoral studies and it was um, transformative learning theory. And what it is, is you present, you present someone with a dilemma and then you walk them, you get them through the dilemma and it changes them. That's the idea is that you, you walked into this one way and you came out another way and you present a dilemma and then through discourse and self-reflection students have a new idea about it. So I have, uh, you know, and I don't know how popular this story is or, or this is going to be, but I ask a hard question mm -hmm. and my hard question, and I have my modules locked. I usually don't, but in this one, I do M module one. I say, would you have an abortion? Yes or no. Don't answer me. It's not, it's not, it's, I, it's not a dialogue. It's a, just a question I throw out there. Ask yourself this question would you, would you or not, or would you encourage your partner to have one? Don't tell me, I don't know your answer. I don't care about your answer. Use yours. And the next week, would you have an abortion? If you found out the baby's brain is developing outside of his head, don't answer me. Do you just ask that of yourself? Week three, would you 
have or encourage your partner to have an abortion if the baby's brain's outside of his head and mom is going to die. And then the fourth week, I say, baby's got baby's not going to make it. Mom's not going to make it. And you have th- three little girls at home, one, three, and five. Would you have the abortion? And then I go, then the actual assignment is, did you find yourself, or did you consider yourself a resolute person? Did you, or did you find yourself changing your mind as the, as the um, story progressed? So now if you're in healthcare, can you take and set your own personal feelings aside and advise a patient like that? And I said, it doesn't have to be about, and I tell them it doesn't have to be about abortion. So for example, Jehovah witnesses do not believe in blood transfusions. They don't, they don't encourage that. So could you, if you, and I say that if you were a Jehovah witness and you were a doctor, but you see that your patient needs a transfusion, could you step outside of your own moral um, makeup to, to do that? And the students generally like, yeah, I felt I really did. No, I did not change my mind or yeah. As the story progressed, I, I felt, felt my um, thinking changed and um I love that activity because I get the most feedback from students on that activity. In fact, one girl cornered me, cornered is not the right, she stopped me here on campus and she goes, my, my fiance and I took that quiz together. We did that activity together because we broke up. (laughs) (laughs) He had a completely different attitude on that. Wow. And I said, I am so sorry. She goes, no, thank you. I mean, it's good to find out if you've got a fundamental difference like that. Yeah. (laughs) Really early. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, there is a saying in healthcare that a woman is no closer to death until she's giving birth Mm -hmm. because it is really hard on your body. And I do, there is, and I, at the end, I tell them my own story because I actually do have a backstory to this. And there was a girl that I went to, to high school with. And she was pregnant at the same time as pregnant. She was pregnant with her second, the same time as pregnant with my second. And with the first baby, she had a lot of morning sickness and they just kept giving her morning sickness drugs. I mean, she was really sick. And so her daughter was three. And then when she was pregnant with her second, same deal, the morning sickness was really bad. It was really bad. She woke up one morning, she had black eyes, she had black wrists and black ankles and went Whoa. to the doctor and they recognized that she didn't have morning sickness. Her liver was failing. Oh, wow. So they delivered the baby early and they, I lived in Dayton at the time. So they, the baby was in the NICU at Ch- children's hospital in Dayton and they care flighted her to Cincinnati to give her a liver transplant. She slipped into a coma. I was in a coma for a month and died. So here's her husband. He's got, um, his wife is in Cincinnati, his son is in Dayton and the mom dies. He's got a newborn. He's got a three-year-old. He went home and hung himself. And whoa, yeah. And, and the, the beautiful outcome of the, of it is that her younger sister had just gotten married and her, her brand new husband said, go get the babies, get the crib. We are now parents of two. And it turns out she had the same disease her sister did. So, so she would have had the same outcome having a baby as her older sister did, but it, it, it really makes you think about, you know, things are not always roses and it's a, oh, it was a dilemma. It was a very, as a crisis that had a, it really transforms your thinking. Well, and, and, um, 
the other thing I'm thinking about as you're telling the story is how your real life comes into the way you present things for your students. And, and I think that as, as faculty, you know, we can't forget our, our own real selves and our own real experiences um, when, when we go into classes. Uh, it help, I think that helps us be authentic. Right, right. And I got back to Jessica Henderson. She obviously said she had, she was a breast cancer survivor and she had a car accident at one point in her life. And she shared all those experiences with her students. And she said it to me and one of her students said it to me that she was very open with her students because she wanted them to learn from the things that she had experienced. So she taught me that I, I can't, you know, yeah, maybe not everybody would receive my information or, you know, roll their eyes at me. But if somebody, if I can help one person with the things that I have been through in life, then great. Then I've done what I need to do. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that's a good way to end it. <laughs> Helping our students, if we can help them, you know, even, even one uh, have a, have a profound uh, change in their life that is meaningful for them, then, then that is a, that's a good day. That's a really good day. Well, Melinda, thank you for joining me today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. See you later.